Welcome to episode 13 of the Think Wildlife podcast. Today we have Peter Lindsley. He is the director of the Lion Recovery Fund of the Wildlife Recovery Network. So hi Peter, it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Yeah, good to be here. You work at the Lion Recovery Fund. So one of my most pressing question is that lions have lost about half their population in the last 25 years. So what is the ma- main cause of this and like what are some other threats faced by lions? Yeah, so there's there's a number of threats that lions are facing kind of associated with the expansion of human and livestock populations and and the development of Africa. You could categorize them into three broad categories I would say. I would say there are threats that that result in the direct mortality of lions such as uh retaliatory killing as a result of human lion conflict or the killing of lions in snares or the kind of cultural killing of lions for example rites of passage type ceremonies that occur in parts of Africa and then in in some cases there are is targeted poaching of lions for their body parts then there are threats that affect their prey which i would say are probably the most prevalent which are you know the bushmeat trade in particular is a is a really big issue where wildlife is poached for its meat and if their prey animals disappear then lion numbers decline very quickly and then thirdly there's the there are threats that result in in the loss of habitat so the expansion of human settlements and agriculture and um and deforestation for timber and charcoal and that kind of thing what is the role of uh, diseases in lion population decline because in recent years like the asiatic lions lost 70 individuals to the canine distemper disease and i think there have been similar cases in tanzania and and serengeti no not not really i mean in serengeti the lion numbers recovered really quickly from that um and i would i would say on a continental level there the really very few examples of disease being a big big driver um so i mean it it might become more serious when lion populations get very small or if they become more inbred or if you know if the population is very fragmented but at this moment in time it's definitely not one of the primary threats okay so what are some possible ways to conserve the african lion well i mean so the lion recovery fund supports a variety of approaches i mean i would say the most significant one is supporting the management of protected areas because africa is endowed with an enormous network of protected areas but the challenge is they're often very under-resourced and underfunded and so supporting the management of protected areas through public private partnerships where ngos work hand in hand with state wildlife authorities is a very direct and effective way to achieve lion conservation um and then you know there's a, a whole second category of approaches is working with communities to try and promote coexistence between people and wildlife in the areas where people and lions live together and also in areas kind of around and in between the protected areas so these kind of approaches involve things like um helping to establish community conservancies to establish and, and manage them um and then also um methods to reduce human lion conflicts to reduce the cost that people bear and then also um try to incentivize coexistence for example through performance payments type approaches or approaches that basically um position and reward local community members as custodians over nature um on behalf of the wider world that can think can be quite effective and then lastly tackling the illegal wildlife trade so that is tackling the trade in bushmeat and also the trade in lion body parts so those are three broad categories of approaches 
So you mentioned the illegal wildlife trade of lions. In recent years, there's been a lot of spotlight on cane hunting and captive bred lions, especially in Southern Africa. So could you just enlighten us about that problem a bit? Yeah, so that's it's really a problem that's that's almost completely restricted to South Africa. So the the canned lion issue is of relevance to the wild lion conservation uh, story because those those um, lion breeders started selling lion bones and other lion products to Asia, which which arguably kind of opened a, a can of worms or, or kind of stimulated demand somehow for lion products. For example, um, it seems that like lion bones are being used as replacements for tiger bones in, in tiger bone wine, for example, that's popular in parts of, of East Asia. Um, and so the challenge is that the, the concern is that if the captive lion industry is shut down, that then the demand will shift to, to wild lions. Um, but the challenge equally is, I think almost all conservationists would like the canned lion hunting industry to be shut down because it's, you know, there's a huge number of, sort of ethical concerns around it. Um, and, you know, it really has very really little to offer in, in terms of conservation benefits. So there's lots of risk. But it has kind of opened this can of worms regarding trade in, in lion body parts, which, uh, which there, is, there is an emerging threat in the form of lion poaching for, uh, for body parts. And, and the worry is, is that that's going to increase as the captive lin- industry is closed down. But we still have to close it down because it's, it's, it's just uh, unacceptable. So moving on to the Lion Recovery Fund. So what is the vision of the fund and how do you contribute to lion conservation? So the vision of the fund, we have this kind of, um, what's the word? It's a, it's a, um, um, it's a aspirational goal. That's the right word is to try and recover the 50% or so of lions that have uh, been lost over the last 20 to 25 years. And while that may seem a little bit unrealistic, it's not entirely unrealistic. And the reason for that is that a recent study showed that the Africa's protected area network could, could, could serve three to four times the number of lions that it currently does if, if they were optimally managed. So there is huge scope for recovery of lion numbers in, in Africa. And uh, so we're going to do as, as much as we can to try and, um, to try and help prevent further declines and also um, foster recovery where possible. And we do this by finding the best ideas for conserving lions, their prey and their habitats around Africa, and then channeling funding in, in as nimble and efficient uh, manner with as minimal red tape as possible and through thorough due diligence. So I, a lot of my job is spent traveling around Africa, finding the best projects and the best conservation actors to support. So could you just elaborate a bit on how you select these conservation projects and uh, what do you do in the diligence? Yeah, so, so I mean, it's a good question. We, we do have the Lion Recovery Fund has a, a strategy that guides our investments. So we're looking at projects that, that protect either lions, their prey or their habitats. And we look to support the, the kind of investments or the kind of approaches that I mentioned earlier, you know, support for protected area management, tackling illegal wildlife trade and promoting coexistence and, and, and a few other types of projects, but those are the main ones. Um, and then I think, you know, when it comes to due diligence, you know, it's um, the first sort of basic questions are, you know, is the area important for lions or potentially important? You know, is, the, is there a credible and strong actor, a conservation NGO in, in place? 
Um, do they have a mandate from the government to work in the manner in which they're working? And would funding from the Lion Recovery Fund make a transformational difference? And if the answer to those four questions is yes, then this, you know, they, they, we look at them more closely and, you know, do, you know, we go visit the project site often. And then we also kind of triangulate by speaking to other, other stakeholders about the projects, the organizations work and make sure that they're a solid bet. Um, and then maybe to preempt another question in terms of where we get the funding from, we raise funding from a variety of private sector individuals um, around the world, uh, corporates, foundations, and then we take 100% of the funds we raise. We don't take a single cent of overhead off and send the funding to the best projects for conserving lions, their prey and their habitats in the field. That is very well answered. So uh, my next question for you is that, what is the nature of this funding? Yeah, so we 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 typically fund uh, issue grants that are kind of one to three years in in length, um, and the reason we we don't fund longer than that is just that we don't know how much funding we're going to be able to raise in future. Um, but we very frequently re-grant to the same organisation. So some, we've been going for almost six years now, and you know some of the organisations are on their their fifth or sixth grant by by now. Um, you know. And that, that doesn't contradict what I said earlier. That's sometimes because we'll issue one grant and then we'll provide a, a top-up for a different set of, of activities or something like that. But it is the case that most grants are between one and three years in length with the option to renew, assuming we have enough funding, which so far, touch wood, we have. What have been some of the most successful projects funded by the fund? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. There have been, they've been a number. Uh, but just to give you a few examples, or maybe I'll give you I'll give you three examples, um, and there, there are many. But there's a really amazing project by African Parks in Eastern Central African Republic at the moment where, where um, African Parks have got a mandate from the government in CAR to protect them. There are, it's a good question. There are, we've got a lot of grantees now, and there are some very compelling examples of conservation success among them. Um, just to give you a few, maybe I'll give you three. Uh, so, so one example is in Eastern Central African Republic, where the NGO African Parks is, has got a mandate from the government there to protect a massive swath of of land, and they've they've it, it's a real wilderness area, and they'd be very successful when it comes to when it comes to tackling the threats that face lions, your uh, poaching and uncontrolled incursions of livestock, and as a result, lions and other species are are recovering very rapidly in that area, with a potential to end up. The area has potential to ultimately house hundreds or even thousands of, of lions going forward. Um, so that's one example. Um, and then another example is in in the Serengeti. We've been supporting. So we, we, we fund projects in different kind of contexts. So in some contexts, it's places where there already are big populations of, of lions to try and you know, keep the population secure. In other contexts, it's, it's places where lion numbers are very depressed and we want to try and recover them and then in other cases it, it's really it's 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 trying to restore or even reintroduce lions so an example of a of a park that has a lot of lions is the serengeti um it's also a park that that is under a lot of human pressure um and so we can't take it for granted and so we've been supporting frankfurt zoological society there to to remove snares there's a lot of bushmeat poaching around the edges of that park and so they work very closely with Tanapa, the Tanzanian National Parks Authority. Um, and the partnership between Frankfurt Zoological Society and Tanapa has been very, very effective. 
and we've been able to support the deployment of these steering teams. And and that that partnership normally relies on a lot of support from the tourism sector. But during the COVID outbreak, the Lion Recovery Fund was stepped in and basically enabled it to keep going and remove stairs because in the absence of that funding, they would have had to have stopped some, at least some of their activities, which would have been problematic. So that's been a very cool partnership just because they're, they're so effective at controlling that threat. And then another cool example of a project, a different type of project is um, it's uh, the NGO is called Soralo. They work in Southern Kenya with the Maasai communities there promoting um, coexistence between people and lions. And they've, They've had real success at at improving the the attitudes of 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 local pastoralists towards lions by helping them reduce human lion conflict, um, and then also um, yeah pursuing pursuing ways to 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 ensure that there are benefits coming from wildlife to local people, and and they've done really well in terms of um, enabling lions to recover and expand their range outside of a protected area. So that's that's another cool example. What are some common challenges faced by these affiliated conservation projects? Well, I mean, I think that the, the the primary challenges are are twofold, really. So one is that the human pressures are are constantly increasing with the with the increase in in human populations, and as Africa develops, and also, of course, because this you know there's international pressure on Africa's resources from from other countries and corporations extracting resources. So all of those kind of factors together result in a in a kind of gradual increase in the pressure on uh, on wildlife and wild spaces and um, so that's i would say the primary challenge that they face and then a secondary and consistent challenge is raising enough money and then another issue is that some money some funding for conservation is is really uh, bureaucratic and burdensome to apply for and and report on and so with the land recovery fund you're know, after doing thorough due diligence to make sure we're investing in 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 proper um, legitimate partners, then we we try to be as flexible and nimble and and quick as possible, so that we put a minimal burden on our grantees in terms of in terms of the admin associated with uh, with applying for and reporting on funding. Oh, that's a great answer. In May 2019, the Lion Print Forum was hosted. So, what was this conference about, and what were the main outcomes? So that yeah, that that conference was was undertaken to to try what we did is we did some homework ahead of the meeting to try and map the the conservation footprint in Africa and to really try and identify gaps in terms of where there is funding and NGO support for conservation efforts in Africa and then the idea was to bring together um, actors to try and kickstart conservation efforts in in some of the gaps and, and kind of collaborative projects, uh, you know, that might help to, to grow the conservation footprint and thus improve the conservation prospects for lions and other species. Oh, that's great. So what do you think is the way forward for lion conservation now? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think it's fair to say that that wildlife in Africa is likely to go through a challenging few decades because the human population in Africa is growing quickly. It's likely to double or even quadruple in the next several decades. So it, it is going to put pressure on, uh, on natural resources for sure, um, as, as will the associated development. But having said that, you know, so, so I, 
so I think that that means that you know there is going to be more human pressure. There's particularly going to be more pressure on wild spaces and the amount of land that's available for for nature and for conservation. But having said that, you know, Africa does have a very massive protected area network, and it has a very strong political commitment to conservation. Um, there are some amazing African conservationists, and you know, we we have the, the conservation tools that we know that work. We just need to roll them out at greater scale and raise sufficient funding to deploy them. And so while there's reason for concern, there's also reason for optimism. And um, and I think there's every chance that we could secure the future of the African lion if we if we could raise enough funding and, and deploy it effectively. That's a good answer. And my final question for you is what has been your greatest learning in, in your career as a lion conservationist? Yeah, so I would say the 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 greatest thing I have learned is is that that you know Africa. I mean, it sounds obvious. Africa is in, enormous, and it's extremely diverse in terms of its cultures and its political context. And one thing is for sure. So while there's a lot of commonalities in terms of of threats, you know, the proportional significance of threats varies a lot um, across the range, and also the appropriateness of different conservation interventions varies a lot with the with the context and so one one has to be sh- sure not to make broad generalizations about what the problems are or what the solutions are and be sure to be sure and ready to adapt and roll to the to the circumstances in a particular country or a particular part of a country so uh, it's uh, perhaps sounds obvious but it's it's not something that everyone even in the conservation space is really fully appreciative of it's just how how diverse africa is Okay, so uh, that was my final question for the interview. So thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. And for anyone interested to learn anything more about the Lion Recovery Fund, do feel free to visit www.lionrecoveryfund.org. But uh, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it.